Chapter Sixteen of Haste and Waste: The Young Pilot of Lake Champlain by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: The Excursion to Whitehall. Lawry was no lawyer and was therefore unable to form an opinion in regard to the legality of the steps by which the Woodville had been taken from him. It was an accomplished fact and he was as disconsolate as though he had lost his best friend. He went on shore, and until the peremptory order of the sheriff was given, he expected to see the steamer shoot out from the wharf and disappear beyond the point, in charge of another person than himself. He had refused to pilot the steamer under the new order of things, not because he wished to be spiteful to his brother, but because he was smarting under a sense of injustice which unfitted him for the duty. Though he did not comprehend the legal measures which had been taken, he felt that there was something wrong. The Woodville belonged to him, not to his father. And though he was willing to give all the earnings for the support of the family, and even to pay off the mortgage on the place, he felt that it was not right to take the steamer from him. He stood on the wharf, paralyzed by the calamity which had overtaken him. He wanted to do something, but he did not know what to do. The sheriff, by his caution, had defeated the plans of the new captain, and Lawry was waiting to see what would happen next. He wished to see Mr. Sherwood, and he would have hastened up to his house if he could have endured the thought of losing sight of the steamer even for a moment. Ethan was still on deck for though he refused to run the engine, he felt it to be his duty to stand by and see that no accident happened, for the steam was up, and the fireman was an unskillful person. Ben Wilford and Taylor were disappointed and chagrined at their failure to get off. They stormed and swore, till it was apparent that storming and swearing would not start the steamer. The sheriff positively refused to let the boat depart, without a competent pilot and engineer. "'What shall we do, Wilford?' said Taylor. "'Can't you persuade your brother to take hold again?' "'He's as obstinate as a mule, but I'll try,' replied Ben. "'Offer him twenty dollars for his day's work,' added Taylor. "'I may be able to compromise with him if you're willing. "'Anything you please, if you can make him and the other fellow go with us. "'Lawry?' Mr. Taylor will give you twenty dollars if you will pilot the steamer today, said Ben. I wouldn't go for a hundred, replied the young pilot. I won't go with you at any rate. Don't be so obstinate, Lawry. I engaged the boat to Mr. Sherwood, and I will not go with anybody else. Mr. Sherwood won't care when he finds out that you're not to blame. You can't resist the law, and it isn't your fault. Ben, I wouldn't do what you have done for all the steamers on the lake. You have got this man to attach the property and take the house away from mother, just because you wanted to be captain of this steamer. What's the use of talking about that, Lawry? replied Ben impatiently. I'm going to be captain of this steamer anyhow, and the sooner you make up your mind to it, the better it will be for you. I can't help myself. I know you can't. And for that reason you had better submit with a good grace. If you will take your place in the wheelhouse, Mr. Taylor will remove the attachment. Will he? I will, replied Taylor. 
and put everything where it was before asked lawry of course i am to be captain and mr taylor is to have the boat to-day added ben mr taylor can't have her to-day said lawry firmly i engaged her to mr sherwood and if anybody has her to-day he must that's all i want to say about it now the young pilot turned on his heel and walked away his brother and the creditor were conspirators and he wanted nothing to do with them he might have been less resolute if he had not seen mr sherwood's carriage stop at the head of the wharf are you all ready lawry asked mr sherwood the poor boy could make no reply he burst into tears and turned away from his kind friend what's the matter lawry demanded mr sherwood i suppose he feels bad sir interposed the sheriff the boat has been attached for his father's debts for his father's debts exclaimed the rich gentleman the officer gave him a full explanation of the case this will never do added mr sherwood indignantly this boat is lawry's property in his own right i think not added taylor here's my lawyer he can explain the matter to you no explanation is needed replied mr sherwood the boy is a minor said the legal gentleman he may need a guardian nothing more to enable him to hold the property perhaps you are more familiar with the law than i am mr sherwood said the legal gentleman pompously you gave this boat to the boy i did while she lay at the bottom of the lake she was worth nothing she was an abandoned wreck if you had any property at all in her it was subject to the salvage lawry wilford raised her i suppose you are willing to believe that the boy's father is entitled to his earnings i grant that well sir whatever the boy earned in the way of salvage belongs to his father and we sue to recover that this is a ridiculous suit exclaimed mr sherwood perhaps it is sir but we shall hold the boat subject to the decision of the court mr sherwood was vexed and perplexed for whether the claim could be substantiated or not the woodville could be held until a decision was reached lawry then took him aside and told him what his brother had done in order to make himself captain of the steamer is that it lawry i'm more sorry for your brother's sake than i am for yours i pity him because he has been capable of doing so mean a thing don't distress yourself my boy we will make this all right in the course of ten minutes but they have taken the steamer away from me and given her up to ben who is to take charge of her never mind lawry they shall give her back to you replied the rich man as he walked up to the lawyer how much is your claim against mr wilford one thousand and sixty-four dollars answered the legal gentleman will you take my draft or check for the amount no sir i see you are not disposed to be accommodating we intend to have the first sail in this steamer sneered taylor i intend you shall not said mr sherwood unfortunately he had not money enough with him to discharge the claim against the ferryman which as it was a just debt whatever might be said of the means taken to recover it he had decided to pay rather than give bonds for the steamer and contest the attachment he had invited several gentlemen to accompany him up the lake in the woodville who were now on the wharf and from them he borrowed enough to make up the sum required the money was given to mrs wilford 
with instructions to go to a certain lawyer and employ him to see that the mortgage on the house and land was properly cancelled when we get our money the attachment on the boat can be dissolved not before said the lawyer mr sheriff the debt is not paid yet i will put the money in your hands if you desire added mr sherwood to the sheriff i am satisfied you may go where you please with the boat and as soon as you please replied the official she will not go till this claim is settled mr sheriff remonstrated the legal gentleman she may go now responded the officer ben wilford your services will not be needed now gentlemen we will go up to the village and settle the bills the lawyer protested that the attachment could not be removed till the debt had been paid but the sheriff was willing to take the responsibility of releasing the boat all aboard lawry shouted mr sherwood i didn't expect you to do this sir said the young pilot but i will pay you every dollar if the steamer ever earns so much we will talk about that some other time my boy we are all ready to be off now lawry with a light heart sprang to his place in the wheelhouse ethan was already at his post in the engine room and the ladies and gentlemen of the party hastened on board put that basket ashore said lawry to the deckhands as he pointed to the stores of the party the basket was tumbled on the wharf to the imminent peril of the glassware it contained ben williford stood on the pier leaning against one of the posts to which the steamer was fastened he looked sour and disappointed cast off the bow line said lawry when all was ready at this moment ben jumped on board stop her said mr sherwood sharply as lawry rang the bell to back her what's the matter sir asked the pilot young man said mr sherwood stepping up to ben wilford you will oblige me by going on shore what for demanded ben crustily we do not need your company but i want to go i do not wish you to go i think it is rather steep for you to tell me i can't go in my brother's boat steep as it may seem you can't go added mr sherwood firmly can't i go lawry continued ben it is not for him to say i have engaged this boat for my party to-day and beyond its crew it is not for him to say who shall go i'm going anyhow replied ben stubbornly no you are not yes i am if you want to fight i'm all ready young man you wanted to be captain of this boat you have made a mistake no i haven't you and lawry can't make a nobody out of me you will do it yourself you see will you go on shore no i won't the sheriff stood on the wharf with mrs wilford waiting to see the departure of the woodville ben's mother begged him to come on shore but he was in that frame of mind which seemed to make opposition a necessity to him do you want any assistance mr sherwood asked the sheriff as he stepped on deck the reckless young man would have been very glad to have mr sherwood put his hands upon him for it would have afforded him an opportunity to revenge himself for his disappointment it was another thing to raise his hand against an officer of the law and he sullenly walked up the gangplank when that formidable individual intimated his readiness to relieve the boat of her unwelcome passenger haul in the plank and cast off the bow line said lawry he rang the bell to back her 
and when her bow pointed out from the shore, the stern line was cast off, and she moved slowly away from the wharf. "'I'm sorry your brother behaves so badly, Lawry," said Mr. Sherwood, after the steamer started. "'It makes me sick to think of it, sir,' replied the pilot. "'I'm really afraid of him, for I don't know what he will do next.' "'Do your duty faithfully. That is all you need to do.' I feel almost sorry I didn't let him be captain, when I think the matter over. He is not fit to be captain, and you did quite right in not consenting to it. I'm sorry for you, Lawry, and sorry for your mother, for he must be a sore trial to both of you. If he wasn't my brother, I wouldn't care, added Lawry, restraining the tears. Never mind it, my boy. We won't say anything more about it. Let us hope your brother will grow better. I hope he will, sir. The Woodville was now going at full speed up the lake. The party on board consisted of twenty-four ladies and gentlemen, most of whom were summer visitors at Port Rock. They were delighted with the beautiful little craft, and glad to know that she could be obtained for pleasure parties during the summer. They wandered about the deck saloon and cabin till they had examined every part of her, and then they gave themselves up to the enjoyment of the sail and of the magnificent scenery on the borders of the lake. They seated themselves on the forward deck, and Lawry pointed out the objects of interest as the steamer proceeded, and in this occupation he forgot the conduct of Ben, and was as happy as the happiest of the party before him. The ladies and gentlemen sang songs and psalm tunes, in which the sweet voice of Fanny Jane Grant was so prominent that Ethan was once enticed from the fascinating engine which occupied all of his thoughts. In the meantime, Mrs. Light was busy with the dinner. Captain Lawry was a little uneasy on this subject, for it was out of his line of business. In the middle of the forenoon, he gave the wheel to one of the deckhands, and went down into the, the kitchen to satisfy himself that this important matter was receiving due attention. The cook was so confident and enthusiastic that he was quite sure she would realize the expectations of the passengers. In the cabin, he found the girls busy at the tables. Both of them had seen service in hotels, and there was no danger of a failure in their department. At one o'clock, dinner was on the table, and the young captain went down again to assure himself that it was all right. "'Come, Lawry, can't you dine with us?' said Mr. Sherwood when the bell had been rung. "'I can't leave the wheel, sir. But don't you want some dinner?' I'll have my dinner when we get to Whitehall. Haste makes waste, you know, and if I should be in a hurry to eat my dinner, we might get aground or be smashed up on the rocks. I suppose you are right, Lawry, and I will do the honors of the table for you, laughed Mr. Sherwood. The dinner was not only satisfactory, but it was warmly praised, and Mrs. Light was made as happy as the captain by the enthusiastic's encomiums bestowed upon her taste and skill in the culinary art. The Woodville reached Whitehall at two o'clock, where the party went on shore to spend an hour. While they were absent, Lawry and all the hands had their dinner. The cabins and the deck were swept, and everything put in order. Quite a number of people visited the little steamer while she lay at the pier, and gentlemen engaged her to take out a party the next Saturday, with dinner for twenty-four persons. When Mr. Sherwood returned, 
he had let her for another day at three o'clock the woodville started for port rock the party were still in high spirits and the singing was resumed when the wheels began to turn on the way down she stopped at ticonderoga while her appearance so delighted a party of pleasure-seekers that she was engaged for another day and a dinner for twenty spoken for lawry you must have an engagement book or you will forget some of your parties said mr sherwood who stood by the pilot in the wheelhouse when the steamer started i have put them all down on a piece of paper sir i will get a book when i go to burlington which will be to-morrow i had engaged her for four days when you came up with her from port henry but i'm afraid we shall work you too hard no fear of that sir i only hope i shall be able to pay you that money you advanced this morning don't say a word about that let me see you are engaged in burlington to-morrow to me the next day and in whitehall on the following day i will get a book and put them down sir but you must be in burlington by eight o'clock to-morrow morning we can run up to-night you will get no sleep if you run all night i think we shall want another fireman you will for in order to keep your engagements you will occasionally have to run nights at eight o'clock the woodville landed her passengers at port rock and as the gentlemen went ashore they gave three cheers for the little steamer and her little captain End of chapter sixteen